mean, I get this all the time from young coaches. They're, they want that opportunity. They want it so bad. And, and it'll come. It'll come. You have to grind. You have to grind it out day in and day out. So, I mean, I, I remember my first year here, I got a check for $157, you know? <laughs> Richest dude on campus. <laughs> man, I went straight to Walmart and bought all the peanut butter and jelly that I could. That's it. You know? No doubt. Uh, the, the next thing I would say is just build those relationships with anybody and everybody. You know, you go to the ABCA, I mean, holy cow, there's 7,000 contacts there. No doubt. I mean, it, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, you know? The, the people that I've met there and the contacts that I've made there alone have been, you know, you, you can't put a price tag on that. You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. Through the baseball community around the world, we are broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. This is your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold, and the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. Back in your earbuds with episode 122, yet another tremendous baseball personality inside of our association is on the airwaves with us in an engaging conversation, packed with takeaways, ideas, challenging thoughts. They're waiting for all of us on the other side of this intro. But first, find us wherever podcasts are free. Hit subscribe on there. Be kind and leave us a review and a rating. Plus, share this podcast with anyone you feel like would appreciate these conversations. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Find us at ABCA1945. You can also head over to our website, abca.org. Looking for more information about what our baseball coaching fraternity here is all about. Also, please feel free to reach out to me directly at CoachSheets3 on Twitter and Instagram or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. Huge thanks to our great friends and longtime ABCA partners over at Rawlings. Honored to have a company like Rollins, a true pioneer and staple inside of the baseball community, to reach out to us and want to support our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and attach their brand to this product as we continue to work to reach every single baseball enthusiast, fan, parent, player, and coach with these episodes and, and these guests. From gloves to helmets to uniforms and apparel, these guys have so much to offer each of you. So check out their entire product line on their website, Rawlings.com. That's R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. And we hope to see you join Team Rawlings today. Last announcement before we get into this week's guest. As many of you have seen through social media that the release of our latest project, ABCA The Roadshow, is right around the corner. Actually, it's tomorrow, Wednesday, March 6th, for those of you who are feverishly waiting for this episode to drop each and every Tuesday. But we cannot wait for all of you pull up a bucket and jump on the road show bus with us as we travel the country to connect with some of our most loyal members across all levels of the game to shine a spotlight on their journeys, their programs, break down some video with them, learn through an on-field coaching clinic, take us around their top-notch facilities and showcase simply what is best about the ABCA. It's the people that make up this entire organization. They make it the special fraternity that it is. Season one of our pilot show releases to our membership on Wednesday, March 6th. Tweet at us. Send us some notes. Share the episodes with many folks as you can before we release these to the public in a few weeks. 
Yes, ABCA The Roadshow. It's coming to a campus near you very soon. And to all of you, we hope you enjoyed the show. And on to this week's episode, let me just start by saying this. If you're around someone and they have a negative comment to make about this week's guest, you might be hanging around the wrong people. Brian Ryman, the Director of Baseball Operations and current recruiting coordinator at Lipscomb University in Nashville, Tennessee, he jumps on the call with us and delivers some absolute certified audio gold moments, true humility, a servant's heart and spirit, and a wealth of perspective is on the line as Rhymes takes us through his journey in baseball, the countless hats that he has and even continues to wear for the Bison. Brian offers his reflections on the various influences on his growth, his development, and some of the real nuggets inside this interview that might help all of us are the details inside what truly makes up the duty list for the director of operations position. And trust me, it is a lot more than just booking hotel rooms. One of the single best people in baseball, a passionate and loyal member of the ABCA, and it is our pleasure to shine a light on Brian this week. So settle in, guys, kick up your feet, and relax as we welcome in the Director of Baseball Operations and current recruiting coordinator at Lipscomb University in Tennessee, Brian Ryman. He is our guest on this week's Dugout Chatter episode. Get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our Calls on the Clubhouse podcast, bringing on a great friend of mine onto the show this week, but one that is a familiar face out in college baseball and one that a lot of people listening to this are going to know personally. Got such a great story to tell, a lot of great perspective to be on the line. We're going to connect with Lipscomb University Director of Baseball Operations, Brian Ryman. Ryan, thanks for jumping on the call with us, brother. Sheets, man. It's an honor. Been waiting uh, my turn, I, I so to speak. Uh, uh, I won't tell anybody that, but I, I love to, to listen to the podcast, and I was hoping that one day I'd get a chance to come on and talk with you myself. Yes, sir. Well, timing is everything, and this couldn't have worked out any better. Um, I don't want to get too deep into this, man, but you've also, I mean, I can say director of operations. You've also now got recruiting coordinator title attached to you. You want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, you know, kind of a, an interesting uh, deal. I was a coach here before mm-hmm. and stepped into the administration role because that's where I want to hopefully end up one day as uh, an athletic director role. But mm-hmm. Coach Coon, one of our assistants, had the opportunity to, to take a job in uh, October, November uh, at our academy here in Nashville. And, you know, Coach Forehand asked me to, to, to stay on and, uh, you know, pick up the recruiting responsibilities and uh, come back on the field and get a chance to work with the outfielders and put some input in with uh, some of our hitting stuff. So it's been it's been after a, a probably a 10-year absence, it's good to be back and putting on the, the pants again and <laughs> lacing up the white shoestrings. No doubt. Well, I mean, we got we got ops, we got recruiting coordinator, we got husband, we got father, we got special human. I mean, how many hats can we put on you today? That's what we're looking for. Hey, man, I I, uh, I got to get a, a closet that's bigger <laughs> than my office for all the things I got to do around here. But it's worth it, man. No you know, doubt. It's, part of the growth that's the it growth. well we want to get into that because you again you do have so much to offer and we're going to get dive into a lot of different conversations inside this one but let's start here because brian you've always been a loyal abc member we love giving the opportunity to our guests to maybe talk through the experience being part of the association what's been really cool too as well you guys have hosted three consecutive years of the barnstormers coaching clinics there at lipscomb a lot of funny stories come from those experiences, but I mean, you've been entrenched in the ABCA. Can you just talk through what the association has meant to you, your coaching staff throughout your uh, your tenure? For sure. You know, I think I've been a part 
as as a full time member for 14 years. But I even remember back in my college days uh, hearing Coach Del Monaco and Coach Simcox and all the guys talk mm-hmm. about you know going to the convention and and seeing all the the great head coaches and listening to the stories and coming back with new ideas and couldn't wait to get my my chance at that and uh, finally got that chance and you know like you talk about the barnstormers I mean mm-hmm. why wouldn't we do it I get to be better as a coach we get to bring coaches from you know every level to our place and show right. them what we're about and uh, like you said the the stories and the the uh, relationships that we get to build along the way are just phenomenal I love it love it well go through your career path because I think it is an interesting one you talked about 14 years but seeing so many different dynamics in place, different perspectives. And we're going to open up a lot of that. Take us through your career path and help set the tone for this conversation. Well, sure. So, you know, I grew up in a small uh, town in Jefferson City, Tennessee, mm-hmm. and got to coach probably uh, well, younger than, than most. My dad was a high school baseball coach for a mm-hmm. while and then got into to scouting. So it was really the only thing I knew that uh, was consistent um, mm-hmm. was, was baseball. So uh, I took over helping uh, – my brother's team when he was 13 years old and I was, I was a senior in high school, played for the same guy. And, uh, his name was John Toomey. He was our, our history, uh, professor. And, uh, he was also the coach and he drafted a team full of 13 year olds to play in the 13 to 15 year old division. And I thought he was absolutely (laughs) crazy. Sure. And, uh, I I remember sitting on the bench and, and people just, just score run after run. And I, and I would look at him, he had a goatee and he would just rub it and he would say, Brian, you remember this and yes. you wait till, just wait till next year, just wait till next year. So, uh, unfortunately coach Toomey passed away that summer. Oh, wow. Um, and, uh, I, I become the de facto, uh, coach and, uh, won back to back favorite state or back to back league championships with 14 and 15 year olds. And Wow. And then that's something that stuck with me uh, was just, you know, that's when I first learned about, you know, the process and mm-hmm. developing and, and good things were on the way. And he, he was so right. So I mm-hmm. uh, just kind of got my foot in there and went on as a player, played at Hiawassee Community College and had a wreck. Got luckily that uh, I had built a relationship with the guys at the University of Tennessee uh, through my dad, who was a scout at the time and mm-hmm. <clears throat> had a, a serious car wreck, made a phone call to Coach Del Monaco and said, hey, you know, I really want to get into coaching. And he said, well, why don't you come up here and work for me? I have some student assistant uh, manager type roles that I could probably use you in. And uh, so I went there and just uh, dug in and learned from, from him and Coach Simcox and, you know, Coach Corral, who's now at Missouri, and Coach mm-hmm. Bell, who's at Pitt, and my Coach Maisie that's at West Virginia, and just soaked it up, helped, wow. them, run the, helped, them, helped them run the camps and uh, just uh, – unbelievably lucky uh, that I got that opportunity. Then we go to Omaha, uh, and, and there was a coach here at Lipscomb at the time, and Cliff Terracuso, who is a scout for the Rangers now in Florida, mm-hmm. he said he was working my dad's camps, and he said, hey, we really need some help. You're having a lot of success at Tennessee. Come help us. So, sure. So, the, the kicker in the whole deal was my girlfriend at UT was from Franklin. So, uh, I was like, you know, two – Two uh, two big whammies here. <laughs> <laughs> sure, drive straight from Omaha to start my job, my first job in college baseball. Wow! And uh, the coach tells me, "Hey, at the time, don't go to the office yet." I'm like, "Well, what's wrong?" He said, "Well, I haven't got this approved." Oh. 
So oh. here I am. I've moved everything I own to Nashville, Tennessee. Yes. And 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 it hasn't been approved yet. Well, two days later, break up with the girlfriend. <laughs> so now I'm on an island here yeah. in, 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 in Music a City. A lonely island. <laughs> a lonely island in Music City. And what am I going to do? But, you know, it's just you had to put, put your faith in God that he puts you in the place that, that you need to be. Yes. And, you know, uh, you know, 14 years later, here I am on the podcast with you, man. Uh, and I, I, Coach Forehand takes over after my first year and keeps me on as an assistant. We go to the conference tournament for the first time. And the next year we win it. And uh, then I move into the operations role and then back into the coaching role now. So I, I feel like uh, my plate uh, has been full and, and runneth over and, <laughs> You know, mix in uh, uh, two years in the prospect league there as a manager. So yep. trying to trying to get the full spectrum here. I should say. Holy smokes! Well, that's that's the next question because I mean, I think getting back on the coaching side of things and and getting your feet back wet again in the baseball pants, lacing up those shoes. But it's it's just the 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 roles that you've played and the places that you've been, and certainly the run of of new coaches under Coach Forehand that that have come through that you've tried to pull things from. And obviously the conversations, the relationships that you have just open up, I guess, maybe how unique your perspective's been, in essence, cultured, being able to see the game from all these different angles. Yeah, you know, I used to sit, I sit in the bullpen uh, when I was in the operations a lot just because best seat in the house. And, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of times when you, I feel like when you're a coach and you see something every day, you don't see the big picture maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and me not being on the field working with the guys and just coming out, you know, sparingly, I could, I could see it, uh, I guess from that, what is it you call it? The 10,000 foot view. Yeah. 30,000 foot uh, view. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I would, and I think that helped me make some suggestions. Um, you know, I, I honestly believe that the games are for the players. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, we have to let them fail sometimes in the game and work on those mistakes in practice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a firm believer you know, seeing it from both sides is the players don't care unless they know you care. Yes. Uh, and I, and I know a lot of people talk about that, but it's so true. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was on the, when I'm on the ops side and not having any input on the lineup, so to speak, uh, you know, sometimes they confide in me a little bit more or, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be a little more compassionate than when I am their coach and I'm somebody who's going to yell at them or, you know, get on them to them for a mistake. You know, they may not let me in that, in that, uh, in their heart as much, uh, sure. what's going on, you know, um, I think you have to, you know, from, from the my coaching side of thing, I think you, you have to stay up to date on their culture, you know, what, what drives them. And, uh, it's not, not so much what you want it to be, but what, and what, what motivates them, um, and what's their way of life, my why versus their why, you know, yep. and what, what what what's that middle ground there? You know, why are they playing this game? Why do they why do they want to come to school here? You know, and then my why of why am I coaching them and hmm. why do I want to help them get to where they want to be? Uh, I think those are just the those are some of the things that I see different from my my coaching side and from when I was in the operations side. Well, is that much different seeing it that way now, Brian? Is that much different than when you first got into coaching? Especially talking about being an eighteen year old getting into it is, is it all is it really evolved and, and developed over time um you know for me personally because when i when, when i was first starting it was and i'll never forget this our our uh our first meeting uh here at lipscomb when i was my first job and i told mm-hmm. the guy i said if you don't do this it's gonna 
make me mad and you're going to basically go is. out and, and run, you know, like I knew it all. And mm-hmm. I was like, and Coach Forehand, I'll never forget. He sat me down. He said, that is not how we're going to talk to the players. Oh. And I thought, well, what did I say? I didn't cuss. I didn't do that. You know, it's like yep. they were going to tune me out, you know, and, and he did a great job of just explaining it to me uh, of the right way to do it, uh, um, you know, and how he wants it done. And, you know, I think that, I think the players, um, as the as older as I've gotten, have changed a little bit. You know, I yeah. think they're like I said, you have to relate more to them and what they're what they makes them work than always tailoring it to what you wholeheartedly believe. Yeah, I, I don't think you're alone in that. I don't think you're back on that lonely island again with that. <laughs> I think there's just so many that they get into it early, and I'm no different. And, and just like a lot of our listeners will resonate with that, Brian, is that. You get into it, especially young, and you may be turning around at 22, 23, 24, 25 years old and having to coach 18 to 22-year-olds, and you want to draw the line in the sand of, hey, man, I deserve respect because I've, I've, I've been in this role. And uh, I'll never forget, and you probably resonate with this as well, hey, you got to call me coach. I know that I'm Sheets and I get all that, but, man, I'm Coach Sheets. And now that's laughable to me. And I'm sure that moment, like you said, in front of those guys is laughable. It's like, gosh, I was – demanding respect instead of the other way around of, Hey, just let me, let me show you my work ethic. Let me get out here in the trenches with you and I'll earn that respect. And, and then by the way, you can call me whatever you want. doesn't yeah. matter to me. We're all in the same business here. We're here to make you better so we can win ball games and win championships. Do you kind of see it that way too? Absolutely. There's no question. And you know, I, I get, I get asked that a lot of times by, by guys who, who, who have played here or played for me somewhere along the way about, what do you think about this coach? Well, why did that happen? What did you say to him? And, and mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, they'll come back to me and say, well, I told them they had to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, it's probably the wrong approach. I said, I've been there. Mm-hmm. And I also tell the, I tell the players that too, you know, sometimes the players look at me like I'm crazy and I'll say, wait a second. I know I'm 38, yeah. but I was you at one time too, Yeah, yep. you know? And, uh, so once I think you put it into perspective form like that, they, they look at things a little different. Yeah. Um, and I think it's part of being a teacher is, is, uh, try to figure out what, how they learn and also how to make what they learn adapt adaptable to them. You know, not everybody's mm. the same, mm. you know? So I think, you know, some, some are visual, some are verbal. And I think there's just a different, a different path for, for every single player. There it is. Individuality and coaching, baby. I love when that comes up. Let's go into the ops side of the baseball. And I know that somewhere Jack Warren from Top Coach is fist pumping uh, as much as he's all in on the operation side of things. And I think it's – I think Jack, along with all of us, and Brian, you know I've served in that role for three years. I We get the dynamic that, man, this is an underappreciated job, but it really encompasses everything within the program. You are, in essence, the head coach's right-hand man on all fronts, running the budget, obviously scheduling, travel logistics, dealing with umpires. There's so much that can go into it. But how do you break this down? And I love the fact you think of it as problem-solving 101. Open that up. Sure, yeah. And I, I can't thank Jack enough for what he's done to sure. kind of open the light in that area. And, and uh, the chance that you guys gave at the ABCA convention this year for, for some of the ops guys to get together and, mm-hmm. and, hear, and hear the chip bakers of the world uh, uh, speak on this. But, you know <clears> – <throat> I, I, I come to work every day and my one goal is to make my head coach look good. I love it. Uh, and, and if I can accomplish that at the end of the day, then I've won the day. Wow. And, um, that, that is to me problem solving one-on-one because 
the things that are not problems are easy, right? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> like today, we just got midterm deficiencies, all right? That's problem number one. How are we going to attack that? So, before I got on the phone with you, I'm going to, to visit with our academic counselors and find out, you know, you know what, what's the problem? Are they are they attending class like they want to or whatnot? You know the weather here has been terrible. So coach drops on me twenty minutes ago that we're leaving at ten forty five in the morning. So now I got to find out, figure out what we eat for lunch and dinner tomorrow. There it is. You know. Yeah. And and you know now that I'm in dual role, I still got to do the video and the yeah. and the scouting report stuff and all that and some of the things that that come across. You know, I, I always try to take each one of those problems and learn from it. So hopefully that hmm. you don't have that problem again. Yeah. Uh, it's the same way in baseball. You know, if, if, if the guy struck you out three times, find out why he struck you out, how you did it and learn yep. from that. So it doesn't happen again. That's right. You know, I mean, uh, we, we had an incident last week where one of our umpires was in a car wreck, you know, so not only do we have to find another umpire, but we have to switch how he's getting paid. And hmm. there's just so many things that you never know on a daily basis, what's going to come at you. Um, I have learned so much from that role. Um, if I if I ever felt like that I wanted to be a head coach, I feel like I would be prepared yeah. uh, off the field for that. I'm not saying on the field because those are two separate things. Mm-hmm. I think head coaches today have have many parts of them, but uh, learning the the business side of the baseball has 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 really opened my eyes because of the operations role. Okay, now you're going into that, and as you're describing it. I'm starting to get anxiety. And the reason is I'm going back to my first year where that gets handed over in, on my desk and I'm going, you mean I got to manage this and I got to schedule this and I got to be aware of all, I just want to coach baseball, but that's such a unique perspective that I almost wish I could go back and do the job right now. Knowing what I know, if I could go back and do it again, I'd do it differently. Do you look at your first few years of trying to Talk about 30,000 foot view. I mean, that is, that is the overview of the program. Do you feel like you could go back and crush your first few years now, especially given the experience you have under your belt? Oh, there's no question. I mean, I, there's things I can do now in my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's people that I depend on that I know I can depend on that I wish I would have known about them, you know, 15 years ago. Sure. Um, you know, but I was also, I, I have to, I have to say this, that I was blessed and raised by a dad who was not only a scout, but put on camps and right. uh, ran, ran a lot of events for kids mm-hmm. that I sat back and just watched mm-hmm. how he did things and his attention to detail, um, all the way down to, to his handwriting. I mean, I, I was getting, I was getting picked on, uh, yesterday by, by coach Phillips, who is in here, uh, who used to be with us and, and, yeah. and gone on the pro ball. He was just like, I was writing the lineup card and he was like, I've never seen anybody with handwriting like that, you know, for a male, you know, but I get, I get it from my dad, you know, it's just sure. attention to detail because if you write it good the first time, you don't have to go back and do it. So, uh, that, that's kind of what, what I've tried to carry on into that ops role is, you know, try to pay attention to detail. And, you know, I was, I was kidding with coach forehand the other day and knock on wood 14 years. Yep. We've only had the, 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 the post game meal hadn't showed up one time and it wasn't my fault. It was the caterer's fault. And we argued about it for an hour and a half until the cater called and finally apologized to Coach Forehand. So. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Been so. there, done that. Um, <laughs> okay, so you were breaking out a minute ago, like some of the details or, or job duties that might come up. Can you kind of give the full picture of all the things that – I think because there's going to be young coaches that are on the small school level 
Well, they don't know it, but they, they are the director of operations. But someone sure. on the special division one level that this is your dedicated job with the with the coaching staff over here. So when you do have to put that hat on, explain all the duties that ultimately fall on your on your lap. Yeah, so I mean, I, I start with academics, you know, making sure that, you know, everybody's eligible, that they're hitting a percentage of their degrees. How's that affect their summer ball uh, status? You know, why is there a problem? What's well, not a problem? And then report back to, to Coach Forehand with that. Um, travel, I do everything from booking the rooms to the flights to um, what we're eating, you know, what's next to the hotel for the guys and, and so forth. Um, the meals, I mean, to me, <clears throat> if you ask me, a, a part of the job that, uh, that I dislike the most is probably the meals because yeah. you never know what time you're going to get done playing. Yeah. When, you're in De- when you're in Deland, Florida, and the game's over at 1.45 in the morning, there's not a lot of options. <laughs> For sure. Okay, so you got to get real creative. And, you know, uh, Coach Forehand's big slogan all the time is play the next play. So, you know, my next play would have been, I should have figured this out before. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> sure. you know, making sure the umpires get there is, is, is the, is the umpires hotel rooms taken care of. Did their laundry get done? Did, uh, mm. did they get a parking spot? Um, you move on to our facility, you know, did everything get painted that was supposed to get painted? Did the light lights get changed in the lights? Did the, does the PA work? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, it did before the game, but now it's, gone out during the game why well whose fault is that well it was my fault because i checked that it worked even though i didn't touch it it's still my fault mm. so so we have to you know stay on top of that how are we gonna get those fixed you know who can fix it if this happens um you know equipment wise you know we're we're constantly talking to you know our rawlings rep or mm-hmm. you know uh whoever it may be if we have uh, an issue with that you know budget um one of the probably the things that i wish i could knew better with finance um, and and, and how to move money uh, because I'm always dealing with scholarship numbers and budget numbers. And uh, sometimes when you look at it on paper, it's not what it always seems to be. And uh, so that's one thing that I wish I I knew a little more about is is how to work numbers. But, uh, you know, there's nothing within the program that I don't get to touch, so to speak. Um, except for, you know, uh, maybe the final word on the lineup card, you know, uh, he tells me, he tells me who's going in now. doesn't mean that I don't get a suggestion, but, uh, everything else, you know, I get to work with, with coach forehand hands on from, you know, the next thing will be fundraising. You know, we've, we've been, we've raised over, you know, a hundred thousand dollars every year for the last five years, I believe, uh, in fundraising and, you know, we talk about that daily, uh, recruiting, um, you know, campus visits, parents, uh, whatever it may be, branding, you know, social media, uh, it, the list goes on and on. There's, there's, I don't know if we got enough time just to talk about that list, <laughs> I know, you know, I, know. Uh, I mean, it, it, seriously, it, it could go on, you know, the summer schedule camp. I mean, it just is on and on and on. You get to deal with a little bit of everything. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that is what has prepared me, you know, also for coaching as well, you know? Wow. You know what, as you're talking through that, I think certainly there's a listener that's going, wow, I had no idea, but I also, you know, go back to Jack. I think part of his maybe passion to accentuate this role and accentuate the folks that, that fill up these spots 
is to maybe paint a clearer picture for those younger coaches that look, I, I get that you want to be coaching third base at Alex Box Stadium and that that's your dream. I got it. But man, to take those necessary steps sometimes, just like it was for my career, was to take this role off the field as a director of baseball operations. But I think where Jack's coming from, and, and I won't put words in his mouth, but we're close friends. I think there's just that this could prepare you maybe even better than even coaching on the field because you're going to now have a perspective that is honestly uh, priceless. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. I mean, and I had that dream too. I mean, I, I wanted so bad to you know be that guy in the SEC with the spotlights on me, but now I started thinking about it. I got no business being there, you know, <laughs> but – Everybody is good at, at something, you know. Yeah. This guy may be a great hitting guy. This guy may be a good pitching guy. I had to find out what was I the best at, mm. you know. Mm. And I feel like I know enough about the different areas, but I I, I feel like managing uh, was was a strength of mine. So so how could I be a manager right next to the head guy? So yeah. if he loses the game, the L goes on his record, but it doesn't go on mine. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. But I wanted to be the best at that and help him be the best because I wanted him to get the W's. Yeah. And uh, if I can help him get those W's where on the field and he doesn't have to worry about anything off the field, we both won. You oh, know, wow. and uh, I think that's part of you think about staffs and college baseball and longevity. You know, I mean, coach has been here 13 years and I've been here 14. You know, I've had a chance to go back to the SEC and the Power Five, but. You know, um, working for somebody, you know, like like him uh, and him giving me the freedom and the trust, you know, it's it's really hard to walk away from that. Wow. Okay. You opened the door there and let's walk through this. I know how important relationships are to you, Brian, and obviously our friendship means a lot to me and hopefully it means a lot to you, but you've Absolutely. got so many guys, you know, around you. You're, I always, you know, resonate with you because our networks can stretch pretty far. I'm, I'm usually... And you probably said the same thing. I'm usually one or two clicks away from getting to just about anybody. And I value that. I actually treasure that, which I know you do as well. But how did you arrive at that? Because I think to, to do that, you have to be truly invested in other people. So, sure. you know, meeting other people is a big deal. Uh, having those conversations is a big deal. Um, and you make try to make them feel like they're the most important person in the room. To me, that's an element of servant leadership is really pouring into other people knowing that you'll get yours on the back. And I love how you've resonated that back with your head coach and Jeff and, and making sure that you're doing everything you can to make him look great. How'd you arrive at that? Because, again, it sounds like early on it wasn't quite there. There's a little bit of ego inside there. How, sure. did, how did you really uh, drive that ego away and land at being a servant leader? I have to really go back to, to my dad, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and I really didn't realize this until he passed away. But he raised me and my brother for for 20 something years okay mm -hmm. just him a single dad and the work ethic and the um sacrifice that he gave to to make sure that we had the best of everything and that we didn't know any different that's it and um also he he was people people didn't know before he got in baseball he was the national coach of the year in special olympics wow. and and you know what those special needs kids mm. and the sacrifice and the things that he did to make their lives uh, normal as well. You know, I think that's where it started. Okay. Wow. And, and, and seeing, seeing that and then later going, <clears throat> you know, we all go through that rebellion. 
this stage in life where we got it all figured out or we don't want to hear what people have mm-hmm. to say. Um, and when I, I see it every day. And, 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 you know, once my dad passed away, I really started to appreciate those lessons in life wow. that he had taught me and being hard on, on me. But, you know, I also am blessed, like you said, to work for a guy like Jeff Forehand, mm-hmm. who, who that's what he preaches. You know, he preaches every day. He, he, he wants you to go play pro ball. And, but we feel like that's a given, you know, his, yeah. his, his big concern is, you know, how are you going to become, uh, as a, are you going to come to Lipscomb and be a better son, father, and husband? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and people ask about, you know, oh, a husband, but yeah, that's what's next in life, that's it. you know? Yeah. And, and that's what he's here to do is, is prepare you. And I've, I've learned a lot of those lessons, you know, that, um, you know, one of my favorite, favorite books is lead for God's sake, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, the carpenter by John Gordon and, you know, in this life, it's not about us. And then you, and you can resonate with this next thing. When you have a kid yeah. of your own, game you talk changer. About, oh, you talk about your radar yes. and, and your sense of, of where things at are, are at and what's going on around you. Yeah. I mean, holy cow, man. Yeah. Life just changes. Yeah. Well, it's, and that's where I think you and I are connected at the hip, man. We both lost our dads around the same time. We obviously both have kids. I think our perspectives I'm, I'm getting ready to turn 38 so we're both in that sweet spot and um i think I, again it's where friendships are built out of is that common ground but we've always kind of had that but as you're talking that through I'm, I'm 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 with every single point like yep okay yep oh and again for our listeners i want to make sure that they're there with us and they're feeling exactly where this is going and i want to lead into this because i think this is an interesting dynamic as well as we were preparing for the show brian you wrote out that you work to take a piece from every coach that you deal with. And I think that's such a, a, a unique life lesson for all of us that you can learn from everyone. And it doesn't mean that you have to take what they offer and bring it into your daily habits or your routines or how you teach or how you coach. Sometimes it's learning what not to do. That can be as valuable as anything. But open that up and, and it really get to detail of, of what, how you approach really taking something from every coach. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I wrote down some names here and some of these people that, that, uh, our listeners will, will know and some they've never heard of, but I go back to the, the history teacher and coach Toomey and running the goatee and learning the patience, yes. you know, that, that it doesn't always have to be perfect right away. And then I, I go to my high school coach, um, coach Holland, who, you know, after argument with my dad, I wanted to quit the game of baseball and I drive to his house and give him my uniform and he sits down and we start talking about, you know, being a dad and, you know, being a coach and expectations and how much pressure, you know, that that we're under, you know, in, in as as players and, and so forth and you know, just his Christian leadership that mm-hmm. helped me see another side of things. Um and then, you know, Travis McClanahan, who's now at Gordon uh, Junior College in Georgia, you know, I look back and, you know, he's he's my first year at Hiawassee as a player. He's a, still a grad student at Tennessee Tech, and he's doing his thesis or whatever, and I can't stand this guy. I think he's the biggest punk ever, and he's, <laughs> you know, and then three months later, he gets hired as our head coach, and I'm, what am I going to do now? Exactly. And now to this day, he's one of my best friends in the whole world, you know, just, just on teaching me the game and, you know, showing me, you know, how to treat, you know, uh, people on campus and, 
and working with what you, you, you don't have a lot of resources, but how to manage those. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, going on to, to, to Tennessee and, and working for Coach Delmonico. And, you know, we always talked about plan B. And, uh, oh, love it. And I never could understood. He said, Rhymes, what's your plan B? What's your plan B? Mm-hmm. Rhymes, we're practicing plan B today. And finally, I said, Coach, what are you talking about? He said, Rhymes, you got to know what the, what plan B is because plan A don't always work out. Plan oh, A is baby. easy. Love you it. know, in baseball, plan A is you're hitting the ball over the, the fence. You're striking every guy out. Mm-hmm. You don't need to practice that. That's easy. You know, and the same in your life. You know, if, if things don't go the way you see them, you know, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I try to I try to ask myself always what's plan B. Um, and then, you know, a guy that I never got to play for or, or work for, but, you know, have built a really close relationship is Tim Corbin. At Vanderbilt, and just his attention to detail, and uh, leaving no stone unturned, and and and, and kind of in the same city, and and seeing you know how much success they've had, and you know knowing him when I was a little boy growing up, at going to Carson Newman baseball games, you know, and and him being an, an opposing coach, and him talking to me, and mm-hmm. and seeing and seeing you know myself, and and. And my little brother just, you know, and then watching him grow, you know, was kind of a cool, cool thing for me. Yep. And last but not least, you know, forehand and, and the guy I get to work for every day is, you know, just uh, the things that he instills in his players and how he treats the people. And, you know, your son and my son probably won't get the opportunity to play for, for him. But yep. uh, if I can find the next one, that's that's probably where he'll end up <laughs> going to school. It. You let me know who you've got in mind and we'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> All right, buddy. Um, let's go into this because, I mean, you've been around so many good baseball dudes. Give me some of the best stories that jump out uh, from the past that I think we'll all get a chuckle out of. What do you got for us? Okay. Well, I got three that come to mind. Okay. And uh, one goes back to uh, our uh, one of the first uh, ABCA conventions, I think, that I took Coach Forehand with me. And uh, it, it was in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but it was – freezing cold and the wind was blowing bitter cold you know 40 miles an hour it yes. seemed and i only wanted you know back you know back then you know i i didn't really care so much what i had to eat or whatnot i wanted cheesesteak and i he'd been hearing this <laughs> argument about pats and genos or whatever yeah. and, but coach forehand he wanted to see the liberty bell so i was like all right well we'll go see the liberty bell and then We'll go over here to Geno's and Pat's and we'll eat. It can't be far, you know. Look, here's the map or whatever. Yeah. So we take off on the journey. And I, I swear to you, we walked five miles. <laughs> and finally, the group was kind of like, you know, Coach, this this ain't close. I think you're, you know, the map is off or something. And, you know, nobody wants to tell the head coach that he's wrong. But, <laughs> sure. you know, so finally he, he stops the guy. And uh, he asks, he says, sir, how do you get to the Liberty Bell? And uh, the guy looks back to him, straight-faced, and says, in a freaking cab. <laughs> and we all know he didn't say freaking. Yeah. From Philly, right. You know? And, and knowing Coach, Coach Forehand is as nice as he is, I mean, the look on his face <laughs> was absolutely priceless. You know? So we just started dying laughing. That's why we, he's scarred. He doesn't want to talk yeah, to strangers. He's scarred that, from that. I, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So... You know that we we all have a good laugh about that now when we go to convention <laughs> that uh we, we can find a freaking cab yeah. to take us so I love it. 
you know, <clears throat> again, you know, you talk about relationships. Um, mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's really helped me, you know, through a lot is Fred Corral. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's pitching coach at uh, Missouri now, but you know, I remember one time we were we were really wanting to get in shape. You know, Fred and I are big guys, and so Fred says, "All right, Rums, we're going to start running." All right, so okay, so Fred gets out the heart monitors and the watch, and you know, Fred's got the you know he's Mister Oakley everything, you know, and so we head off, we take off, we start jogging down Neyland Drive, and we're about three minutes into it, and we're both. Gassed. I mean, gassed. Yeah. And we walk. He's like, man, maybe you know we need to pace ourselves. All right. So he's he's really got me believing this. We're we're gonna pace ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we start heading back to the field, and all of a sudden he pulls out a Snickers bar. He goes, maybe we'll start tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I'm like, we're never gonna get this, Fred. Are we? <laughs> you know. So I don't think we ran anymore after that. But uh, but if you don't know Fred Corral, you're missing out in life. No doubt. You know, uh, he is, he's one of the best humans uh, I know. And then, you know, probably <clears throat> one of my favorite camp stories, and, and this one, you had to be there to believe it, but Clay Green in Memphis, we played him this week, and I'll, I'll make sure I mention it to him. But mm-hmm. we got about 700 kids at Tennessee camp, right? And my job was to pick up Jim LaFever, okay? okay? And Jim was a big league hitting coach for a long time, worked with McGuire and Sosa and but he would come in and do camp with Coach Delmonico. So I pick him up, take him to his hotel, take him out to eat, whatever it may be. So <clears throat> also at camp, I'm supposed to sell um, T-shirts and hats and stuff. Whatnot. Well, Jim's invented this bat. It's like a hinge bat. It has two hinges on it. And, you know, he's doing demonstrating this drill. He's hitting balls. And he's, all right, Clay Green, I want you to come up and really hit these balls and show them how it works, you know. <laughs> So you got to imagine. So Clay's hitting off a tee. Mm-hmm. There's probably, you know, all these parents, kids sitting there. Clay swings and the hinge comes apart. Oh. Goes flying off, hits the guy in the head, <laughs> cuts him open. Oh, My no. phone's ringing off the hook. Rhymes, you got to take this guy to the to the hospital. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a doctor. You know, and next thing I know, the fever's calling me. Hey. You tell the kid on the way to the hospital that he's got free hitting lessons yeah. for life. I'll fly him out to Arizona spring training, whatever he wants. Oh. Just don't let him sue me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was absolutely hysterical. It wasn't, but it was, you know, so yes. just, just a lot of good memories. You know, I mean, I could go on and on with stories and that's what I love. I love stories. So if you've got a good, Good story, want a good laugh. Oh, you know, call me. Well, well, I can tell you quite a few from, I love from those it. days. I can't so. wait to drop that on Clay next time I see him. Just, yeah. to, just, to, just to get the reaction. Yeah, he'll, um, he'll remember it. He'll remember it. <laughs> Let's go into these. These are kind of the staple questions of the show, but they're ones I think can pull a lot from our guests. And, and the first one being: Is there something recent rounds that you would point to and say, you know what? I read this, I watched it, I heard this, and you know what? It really challenged me. And something that happened to you recently, and I think it. Just proves the point, man. We got to be continuously learning. What's something you would offer? I had to go back and, you know, baseball wise, you know, I'd go back and learn, you know, some of the intricates that that Coach Forehand teaches and so forth. But, you know, for me, we, I'm a, I'm a big uh, John Gordon fan, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we pulled out uh, this year his newest book, you know, Power of Positive Team. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of teams that I, I've been a part of. You know, they had a lot of talent, but they weren't really a good team, and they really weren't in it together. And, you know, that, that book right there we did with our team, I know my, my wife is now doing it with her softball team. And, wow. you know, it's a, 
it's just something that I think that that everybody could benefit from, and and that helps you uh, te- teach your team, you know, what it takes to be a real team. Uh, not not so much talent wise, but off the field and working together for a common goal. Um, you know, and and I think that to me has been the the best thing that I've uh, I've done and read here lately. Where were you off? Where, where was the team off in respect to what you were reading the book? Where, where did you really need to focus your energies? I think, uh, and I think Coach Murphy said it best this year at the mm-hmm. convention. You know that uh, I can't remember the word that he used, but that that genuine joy and feeling you have when your teammates succeed. Modita. Yeah, Modita. That's yes. it. And, uh, you know, I think that a lot of our guys were, you know, because they didn't play or they felt like they should play mm-hmm. that there, there was this kind of, uh, pitcher versus hitter, you know, the, mm-hmm. it was the pitcher's fault that we didn't win or that was the hitter's fault that it didn't win. Nobody we're in this together, man. And, uh, I think that, that helped us a lot. Help. I think it, uh, helped us open our eyes that, you know, it's, it's not just about our physical abilities. You know, it's, it's how do we, how do we treat people in the lunchroom? You know, how do we, how we do something all the time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's how we do something, you know, every single day, the same way. Uh, I think it helped us open our eyes to, to some of the things that we were kind of missing in those areas. That's so good. Pull back the curtain on yourself a little bit. How are you engineered as a learner? Are you more of a reader? Are you a podcast guy? Are you an audio? Are you, more conversational kind of where does your learning really uh i guess where does it really land uh you know i think uh, you know i hate to say this but i think in the middle you know okay. i mean yeah. i i yeah. i uh I, I do learn i do listen to a ton of podcasts mm-hmm. you know especially this one i mean it's absolutely by far one of the greatest things that i i uh i don't want to blow your head up too much big <laughs> guy, my guy yeah. but 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 it has changed uh a lot of thinking and mm. for a lot of people and I know, uh, I know. I, I speak on behalf of a lot of people who who are thankful for for you doing this. But sure. you know, I, I, I like I said, I read a lot of John Gordon. I think he's got a lot of a lot of positive uh, things to say. I think uh, he has helped a lot of. Uh, I think he relates well to the athlete as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, as a writer, um, "Lead for God's Sake" was a book that 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 really changed my perspective on a lot of things. Um, Tim Ferriss, you know, he has a podcast and he has a book called Tools for Tight Tools of the Titans. Sure. Where he's uh, you know, spent some some time with the most successful people in the world. Um, you know, I, I think those are those are the things that uh I really pull from and try mm-hmm. to send our, our guys. You know, I, I try to call um old coaches, you know, mm-hmm. um that have been in the game for a long time and have seen things and try to meet my perspective and their perspective. Uh, try to find a mix, you know, and uh, just some of the things that, that uh, I think that helped me become a better leader. That's it. Um, okay, now this is an interesting question because you got to go through all the great people that you've been around in baseball and the qualities, I know, man, and the qualities that you think, if you had to boil them all down and these two or three things really resonate, they seem to come up in all the successful people you've been around. What would those qualities be? That's a question that uh, we could write a long, long book on. There's but, no doubt. But I, and, I, and I know I've said this a couple times, but I go back to number one with my dad, the work ethic mm-hmm. and the uh, commitment mm-hmm. and the uh, selflessness that he showed. I think that's mm-hmm. that'd be uh, number one. You know, um, again, I talk about talked about this with Coach Corbin, his attention to detail in every area. 
Paul Phillips uh, has been a huge uh, cog in my life as far as knowledge and how to learn and where to go get knowledge from. Hmm. Uh, he's one of the smartest baseball guys I've ever been around. Uh, we we joked that you know we were roommates for three years and we never once turned on the TV. Wow! And it was because we had conversations yes. about baseball and about you know life and stuff. And I learned so much from him that way. And you know I go back um, <clears throat> when I first got into college baseball and and this next guy he he probably doesn't know me from Adam because I was I was the lowest person on the totem pole, but on Thursday nights, we were responsible for the opposing team's practice. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget this to the day that I die or get out of baseball. But Ray Tanner, who, who won several national championships sure. in South Carolina and the AD there now. But I'll never forget, he came over and just sat down on the bench with me. And here he is, you know, at the, at the height of his career. And here I am, I'm, and, you know, a student manager assistant at University of Tennessee, the lowest on the totem pole who's washing his team's clothes that night. Yeah. And he just sat down and talked to me about, you know, my dreams and <clears throat> what I thought about, you know, baseball and encouraged me to, to go after it, you know, and, uh, wow. it just, it just, just resonated with me, you know, how can a, how can a guy at the top, you know, take the time to, to, to talk to a guy at the bottom, and just you know how to treat people, yes. no matter no matter who they are, their role. Um, that 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 that's when it first really hit me. You know that uh, you can you can make a lot of friends in this game, and you can make a a, a life out of it just by the way you, you treat people. Holy smokes! How you treat anyone is how you treat everyone. That's uh, right, baby. Same people you see on the way up, the same ones you see on the way down. Um, <laughs> That's a lot of wow. That's that's a that's a fantastic answer, Brian. Okay, these are kind of short hitters, man. These are just like really quick. Uh, just kind of fill in the blank, give a little explanation to them. One thing you need to work on is blank. Trusting others. Mm. Um, you know, and you know this being in the optional. If something doesn't go right at the end of the day, it's on it's you. It's on me, no doubt. And uh, now me learning uh, to trust other people whether it be the ticket person to get, you know, X, Y, or Z's tickets to them, their season tickets, or, yeah. you know, making sure that, uh, you know, my interns, uh, that, that the food got there, that they called the caterer in the seventh inning to make sure that it was on the way, or, you know, that the, uh, you know, sports information guys are, are lining up the picture day, you know, just trusting people to do their job and it being right at the end of the day. Yeah. I think, um, is 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 one of the things that I, I I'm really trying to work on right now. Well, shout out to uh, Chuck Box's daughter who is uh, interning in the Lipscomb baseball office. I'm sure you're putting her to work. I'm telling you what, Izzy is uh, is going to be a rock star in this profession if she wants to. I Love mean, it. She comes in every day. I give her a task. She knocks it out, and she just wants uh, to do more and more. You know. And uh, for anybody who's looking into uh, hiring a an ops person, I don't want to give her up, but she is going to be phenomenal when she's uh, she's done here in school. So everybody remember that Isabel Box is going to be the top of the uh, hiring totem pole. <laughs> Isabel, we we expect twenty five percent of your first check to come back to this podcast. That's <laughs> for right. You That's a job. right. Um, next question. Here's what we got. The key to success is. Ooh, man. 
I thought about this one a long, long time, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, I think it all goes back to what you, what you determine as success. I mean, yeah. for me, is it uh, making sure our kids graduate? Is it, it, it's, it could be anything. You know, mm-hmm. I think as long as success is at the end of the night when you go to sleep, that you know you gave it your all yeah. and that uh, you left it better than you found it. That the that's that's how I determine it. You know, I walk out of my office every day and I say, did I give it all I could? Did I leave it better today than I found it? And uh, most of the time, the answer is yes to that question. I, I really believe that. I think I know where you're going to go with this one, but I'm excited to hear you answer it. In the end, when our careers are over, it's all about. Oh man, uh, another another really tough one for me, but it's all about relationships. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Uh, it is. I mean, and Coach Forehand, I mean, he beats that into us mm-hmm. every day. And I hate to give him so much credit, but he's really <laughs> good at it. But but it is. And I think back, I think back throughout my life, you know, and and uh, I get I get uh, my wife gives me a hard time. And the people right here, they call me the mayor, you know, and they're like, how do you know that person? Or, you know, how'd you get that? Or, you know, my friends and I go to a, go to a, a game out of town and they're like, well, how'd you know? But it's because of those relationships, oh, you know, yeah. uh, I mean, you think about it, even why did you, why did you pick Nashville in the Barnstormers exactly. in, in Lipscomb? Because yep. we had a relationship, that's it. you know, and that's, that's the thing that I'm trying to, to, to instill and in not just, uh, our players here, but my son. And, you know, I think it, it goes a long way and, uh, it, it is, it's, I always think about this too. It's like at my funeral, you know, uh, what are they going to say about me? And yes. How many people are going to be there? Yes. You know, and I don't want it to be sad. I want it to be, I want it to be like this podcast right here. I want no it to, tell, to tell stories <laughs> and to, uh, and to and just to have a good time and, and reflect on, on something. I hope that I gave back that was positive. So good. All right, man, you've mentioned so many great people. And if you had to boil it all down and you're going to exalt them on Mount Rushmore, who's the three or four that stand out to you and why? Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to be a dead horse here, but number one is my dad. Yep. Um, coach, scout, friend, everything. Yep. Two, Coach Holland, uh, Dave Holland, who's a long, long-time head coach at mm-hmm. Jefferson County, just just taught me so much. Coach Forehand, who, who I work for now. Mm-hmm. Um, Rod Del Monaco. Uh, who who was our coach at Tennessee? Yep. You know, I mean, uh, uh, a lot of a lot of lessons he taught me, and then, I, you know, again, the relationship that I built with him in this city is Coach Corbin, and those will be probably my four or five. You know that yeah. uh, that I have pulled the most from uh, in my in my baseball career. All right, dude. Last question I got for you: empty out your pockets. Just advice for coaches across all fronts, man. What else would you have to offer our guys? I mean, I get this all the time from young coaches. They they want that opportunity. They want it so bad, and, and you know, <clears throat> it'll come. It'll come. But mm-hmm. you have to grind. You have to grind it out, day in and day out. So, I mean, I, I remember my first year here. I got a check for a hundred fifty-seven dollars. You know, <laughs> richest and dude I, on campus. <laughs> man, I went straight to Walmart and bought all the peanut butter and jelly that I could. That's it. You know? No doubt. Uh, the, the next thing I would say is just build those relationships with anybody and everybody. Mm. You know, you go to the ABCA. I mean, holy cow, there's 7,000 contacts there. No doubt. I mean, it, it's like shooting fish in a barrel, you know? I mean, I, the, the people that I've met uh, there and the contacts that I've made there alone have been, you know, you, you can't put a price tag on that. Mm-hmm. You know, the next would be, you know, serve others. 
you know, make yourself invaluable to your organization. And last but not least, don't forget where you came from. Gosh. Sound advice across all fronts, my friend. This has been one of those interviews, man. I wish we could, we could go to part two right now and just do stories. But for the next <laughs> hour, we're just going to tell baseball stories. Brian, we're just so thankful there's men like you inside the ABCA, man. So appreciative of what you do and um, the hospitality you've shown the ABCA, helping bring these events to your campus and more importantly, just being a loyal member, dude. Best of luck. I know you're wearing a lot of hats, man. You're doing it well. Keep crushing it. Give Jeff our best. And man, thank you for being part of what we do. Hey, man. Always a pleasure to help you guys and serve you guys. Anything we can do, let me know. Anybody out there who needs my help with anything, don't hesitate to call me or text me or Instagram me or tweet me, whatever all these things are that everybody has. But uh, I'm just here to help and to serve you guys. Coaches, thanks for checking out our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast and another one of our Dugout Chatter episodes. Here at the American Baseball Coaches Association, our job is to serve coaches around the world. So let us know how we can help you out. Head over to our website, abca.org, if you're looking for more information about our coaching fraternity. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ABCA1945. If you want to reach out to me directly, do that through Twitter at CoachSheets3 or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. We'd love to hear from our loyal members. We'd like to hear from some new members and continue to find ways to work together at growing the game of baseball. Huge thanks to the sponsor of our Dugout Cheddar shows, our great partners over at Rawlings. If you're looking for more information about what they're doing for baseball and this coaching fraternity, head over to their website, rawlings.com. That's R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. And thanks again, guys, for your support. As always, thanks for listening in and staying dialed into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball.